0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: It's Thursday, August 4th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians come up with a big 7-4 win against Arizona on Wednesday. Uh, the highlight of the day had to be Ahmed Rosario's 450 foot home run to dead center field off Diamondback's rookie pitcher, Tom Henry, uh, in the fifth inning. Gave the Guardians a four nothing lead. And with Shane Bieber on the mound, you got, uh, you got six solid innings. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez added a home run and a, and a double. Uh, just uh, a little bit of a different look for the Guardians using the, uh, Using the long ball and using uh, some extra base hits there to to put runs on the board.
0: Yeah, Rosario, that, he hit that one where Jim Tomey hit it. Where, where the you know in two, what nineteen ninety nine when he left the ballpark against uh, against the uh, the Royals, mm-hmm. uh, that was a shot, man. That was, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it bounced onto the street, but it was close.
1: It it hit the uh, the little awning above the cameras in dead center field and uh and Rosario kind of pimped it a little bit he he stood there and watched it after he swung because he knew he got all of it and then when he saw it was heading for that sort of uh Bermuda triangle area above the at the very farthest reach of the the nineteen foot wall he uh he sort of said, "Oh man, I' better get in gear and started running uh but but the ball got out of the park uh like you said uh Tito in his post game said uh that was big boy territory it was where um was where Rosario reached.
0: Yeah, and then, then he what he adds a double later in the game, and uh, you know I don't know if he, he maybe he was celebrating he didn't get traded uh, the day before, so uh, he looked uh, he looked uh, like you said Joe that whole lineup looked a little bit different. Maybe this is what it's going to be like with without Franmil.
1: So yeah, I was going to ask you uh, as far as Rosario goes now that he knows he's not going anywhere and and this is the team for the rest of the for the next two months does that maybe, you know, lock him in a little bit more and we see him take off again? I don't know. I don't know if he could get locked in
0: much more, Joe. I mean, he is, he's been a constant, you know, after what, after maybe April. He, you know, he struggled in April. But, boy, since, since then, he has just
1: been really kind of a steadying, you know, a steadying influence in that lineup. Hits in 20 of his last uh, 24 games. Uh, a 350 average, uh, I, I believe, 375 uh, slugging percentage in that, or I'm sorry, 375 on base percentage uh, in that stretch. So, uh, yeah, he's he's really sort of been a catalyst at the top of the lineup since the end of May, like you said. Uh, I just think that, you know, it it, it sort of does a, a world of good for his confidence that that the trade deadline passes and he's still with the club.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, he's a veteran guy and he's been through it before. He's been traded before. But still, you got to be looking over your shoulder a little bit, especially when Cleveland is in the position they're in. You know, they've got a lot of minor league middle infielders coming up. They're in contention. It's a team, you know, looking for, you know, a little offensive help. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen until the clock strikes
1: 12, so to speak. Speaking of uh, one of those minor league guys coming up, uh, Tyler Freeman—a uh, surprise debut. We got—we've had got already had two debuts on this homestand. Uh, in in uh, you know since they they got back playing this week against the Diamondbacks, and uh, we had Will Benson on Monday, and then on Wednesday we had Tyler Freeman, kind of surprised. What weren't expecting uh, Tyler Freeman to get called up uh, prior to Wednesday's game.
0: Yeah, th- that was a surprise, especially, you know, we heard his name mentioned as, you know, kind of in trade talks. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of, you know, you look at the uh, the roster and where, where he fits. But I think it did kind of make sense when Ernie Clement got sent down. And, you know, now you lose, you use Fryman as at, you know, the, in Ernie Clement's utility infield spot um, and see how he does. He, you know, he got a hit in his first, you know, first first big league game. Um, and what is it—the twelfth rookie that to make his debut yeah, this year,
1: twelfth debut with the club this year. Uh, the uh, the Guardians uh, baseball operations department is going to burn up their budget uh, flying family members in from across the country to to watch some of these youngsters make uh, make their debuts. They they, they it, it literally it always happens like uh you know they flew Richie Polacios's family practically cross country to L.A. Uh, for his debut uh, back a couple months ago. Uh, and now you got to fly Tyler Freeman's family from California to Cleveland. I mean, it, it's it, it always just you know works out that uh, these guys have to go cross country to 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 see the uh, the family play. I wanted to note that, uh, and, and Tyler actually mentioned this after the game. Uh, his brother, who is a uh, a farmhand in Texas uh, for the Rangers in their minor league system. Uh, they let him take a leave of absence so that he could come and watch his brother's debut. So his his brother was there at the game with the rest of his family.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. What a nice gesture by the Rangers to do that. And you know, you know they're you know they're they're close and uh, the brothers work out together. I think during during the winter and uh, both pretty high draft picks too. So that was that was nice. That was a nice family thing to do.
1: Yeah, I, I believe he mentioned that his brother's two years younger than him, and the two of them mm-hmm. played together and won a uh, a state championship in California. Rancho Cucamonga is where uh, where they hail from, so uh, also uh, you know very interesting. I, I I've noticed that there are some patterns that that develop. Uh, the the twelve of these debuts and there's like you know there's there's uh, up to a dozen different things that happen with every one of these debuts, like these guys. They do their, their first media session. They do, uh, you know, they get their first hits or they, they have their families in the stands and their families are interviewed by, uh, by reporters on TV. Like it's the same pattern over and over again for these guys. Uh, uh, and, you know, they're, they're asked what souvenirs they got from each game and did they, they keep a ball or the lineup card or whatever. So, yeah, it's uh it's pretty special for for a lot of these guys. And, and so far, uh, Will Benson, uh, scores the game winning run on Monday. Uh, Tyler Freeman gets a base hit, draws a walk in his first game. Uh, yeah, they, they're, they're just like everybody else starting to contribute right away. Yeah, that's nice. Uh,
0: and you know, Nolan Jones had what he he had what two hits in his first, uh, mm-hmm. big league debut in Kansas city, I believe. And, uh, just, yeah. So it's, it's really, Gonzalez. Yeah. And it's really cool to see just, uh, It only happens once. So, you know, you, you, it's a day you won't forget. And, you know, probably a lot of memories you don't forget.
1: Yeah. On the way out of the press interview room on uh, uh, Wednesday, uh, you know, Terry Francona was, was kind of flabbergasted uh, that Tyler Freeman, you know, he got a walk and a base hit in his major league debut and he got to go to the press interview room and get interviewed by reporters about that. And, you know, he sort of said something under his breath as he's walking by saying, oh, he, he gets the press interview room after, a, you know, a hit in his major league debut. <laughs> Tito was asked, hey, did you get a you get the press interview room after your <laughs> debut? And he said, negative, negative. Uh, but but Freeman, big smile on his face, hugs Tito and Tito turns around to us and he says, Tyler Freeman's already leading the league and hugs. So uh, uh, obviously a, a lot of uh, emotion that day. Uh, and you know, it was uh, all around, it was a pretty good game, pretty good day for, uh, the, the guardians, uh, Shane Bieber made his 100th start <clears throat> for Cleveland, uh, in the win over the diamondbacks. He's now 47 and 23 overall in hundred starts. Uh, and it's the highest winning percentage by a guardians pitcher in his first 100 major league starts ahead of Wes Farrell and hall of famer, Bob Lemon. Who was uh, 57 and 31? So pretty good company for for Shane Bieber uh, in that regard. Uh, just you know, Bieber continues to work on some things, and you know it wasn't his his best start of the year. T- Tito said coming out of his pregame bullpen that you know he he was sort of fighting his his command and wasn't what didn't look all that great. But you know, once the bell rung, the great pitchers get in there and they do what they do. Yeah, he looked, uh, you know, like you said, eight strikeouts,
0: uh, you know, gave up the uh, two-run homer in the six, or the just, yeah, two-run homer in the six, but that was really his only only mistake, so, and he strung together some, he's starting to string together some good starts here, Joe, you've seen his velocity tick up a little bit, you know, it's, it's 90, 91 now, it's gone from 90 to 91, 91.5, that's encouraging, and, uh, you know, he just seems to be trusting his stuff more.
1: Yeah, that, that really is the case with Bieber. Uh, we got to see Oscar Gonzalez sort of break out of it uh, after his, his first game back on Tuesday. He gets uh, a couple of hits, including a home run. Uh, good to see Oscar. And we're going to see a lot more of Oscar Gonzalez now because uh, they are definitely going to ride him for the uh, the remaining two months of the season.
0: Yeah, he makes a difference in this lineup. You kind of forgot, you know, what that impact that the immediate impact he had. Then he gets hurt, you know, he goes away for a couple of weeks, and he's you know he comes back and last and uh, yesterday, what had uh, had almost had two home runs. He he hit the lead off home run in the six and then hit one high off the the wall in in left center field for a, a double. So you know that power and that speed. You know, his ability to play right field, it's, you know, that was all missed. So that's going to be, a, you know, a nice, a nice bat to put in the middle of the lineup, you know, without Fran Mill.
1: Tito says without Fran Mill there that they're going to move the DH around quite a bit. Uh, you're going to see Tyler Freeman play at a bunch of different spots. Uh, you'll see, uh, I'm, I'm assuming Jose Ramirez DH a little more to keep him off his legs, keep him fresh, uh, which is a good thing, too. Uh, and and really, you're going to see a, a combination of Nolan Jones, Oscar Gonzalez, and and probably Will Benson in a in some in some capacity. You know, you might even see Will Benson in uh, center field as well.
0: Yeah, he can up, he can certainly play all three. He has more than enough speed and arm to play. Uh, you know, play any position in the outfield. I'm I'm anxious to see if if Jones or uh, Benson will see him at first base, Joe.
1: Right. Tito said that he didn't feel comfortable putting Benson out there for a debut on uh, Monday or Tuesday at first base because of the weather they didn't get on the field to take pregame infield. So he wasn't completely comfortable doing that. And and really, he hasn't started uh, in, in any of the games this week because, you know, they, they threw a lefty on on Wednesday in, in a game that he probably would have been able to start had the the uh, the Diamondbacks thrown a right hander that day. So yeah we'll we'll definitely see a, a a a little bit of a different look but uh one guy who probably isn't going anywhere at the top of the lineup in Stephen Kwan uh his hit streak now out to what uh 17 games 17 games gets uh, you know gets a single
0: in the in the fifth inning yesterday to extend that i mean this guy just keeps going joe he's like the you know the energizer bunny at the, at the top of that lineup i mean you know he gives you a good at bat every plate appearance you know, he's a, he, he works a count. you know, he draws walks, you know, he, he kind of, he's a great line drive hitter to, you know, either way, left, left, left field or, you know, right, right field. Uh, just an exciting guy. And he's, you know, like he's, he like said, he sets the table, he's setting the table for Rosario and, and Ramirez. And, uh, you know, so just that t- he's kind of a, really a dynamic, you know, a dynamic player at the top of that lineup. And they've really kind of, you know, kind of. They. It seems like
1: they found something here. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, just for young guys who, you know, might not be big power hitters or uh, guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. His approach at the plate, you can really, you can see how how methodical he is and how how he thinks, uh, in between each pitch. And he's not afraid to to take a couple of strikes. He's not afraid to hit with two strikes uh he trusts himself he trusts his swing that he knows he's not going to swing and miss if he if he takes a swing at a ball so uh it's it's rare to see him get overmatched just by a, a pitcher's stuff i mean he he can he can fight off fastballs he can he can hit breaking pitches he's he's doing a, a really good job at the top of that lineup and it's exactly what this this lineup needs right now
0: yeah he stands right on top of the plate Uh, really, it's going to be interesting if they get this game in tonight, uh, with Verlander, you know, one of those lefties, Nolan Jones or or Will Benson is going to, you know, be in that lineup, I would think. And, uh, you know, and Quan is going to, you know, see the, maybe the, you know, the AL Cy Young winner here, uh, you know, tonight in Verlander.
1: It's, it's definitely a possibility as they open this series with the, um, with the Houston Astros. I want to go back and talk about the trade deadline. Because we were loaded up and all hands on deck and, and ready to go for for some sort of big move. Uh, are, are you surprised that that Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff didn't pull the trigger on any... I'm sorry, wait. They did make a move. They traded Sandy Leon to uh, Minnesota. And last night, Sandy Leon drove in three runs and made sure that the twins stayed a game ahead of the, uh, the guardians in the standings. So
0: yeah, and that, they were doing a favor to Sandy Leone. And I was looking back at 2020, Joe, this guy had 66 at bats for the Indians, the then Indians uh, to play 25 games in the pandemic season. He drove in four runs. He
1: did that <laughs> in one game. Last
0: game. night he helped them beat Detroit to stay in front of, uh, in front of the, uh, the guardians. And uh, this season, Where he had, you know, he played eight games with uh, Cleveland, fifteen at bats, no RBIs. He goes to Target Field, I guess, where he, you know, that's his one, the
1: one place where he can hit, and he's he's driving in runs left and right. So that was the one trade that they did make, uh, and it winds up shooting him in the foot at least for a day. But uh, bigger story is that they didn't make any trades; that they are going to stick with their plan to, to get their eyes on as many of these young prospects as possible and get a feeling for them. Uh, you know, there's Antonetti said that there might be more guys yet to come. I would anticipate that there are more guys yet to make their debuts, uh, this season. Uh, I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of pitching than maybe position players, uh, at this point, but, uh, certainly there's, there's a lot of opportunity there, uh, what what problems does this set up for the Guardians who already have a, a, a roster, a 40-man roster that is loaded with guys who either made their debuts this year or haven't yet made their debuts? And you're looking at a, a loaded farm system that has a bunch of guys at the end of this season who are going to have to get protected or get exposed to the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: I don't know if they can add. Can they add eleven more players, uh, like they did in last November uh, to the forty man? I, 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 I don't see how you can do that. Um, you know, I, you know, maybe they make some trades at the end of the year, but
1: they said they were going to do that last season too. I mean, I was really thinking that if they didn't, it, if they weren't going to add somebody to the major league roster this year. That they were going to have to make a deal and package some of these prospects to to just even if they're lateral trades, just to 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 get guys who are are younger and more controllable, so that they don't have to expose this talent.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, it you know I guess too much talent is never a problem, but uh, you know when it starts knocking on the door to. Uh, you 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 have to uh, add these guys to the forty man.
1: You you you're gonna have to make some tough decisions, or and, uh... or or you could go the opposite direction, just like AJ Preller, and just decide, yep, we're gonna we're gonna sell off everybody and go for broke now. Uh, th- that's what he did in the Juan Soto deal. Uh, who else besides obviously the Padres, you know, had the biggest days uh, of, of any team in the uh, at the trade deadline.
0: Wow. That's a, that's a good question. I think the Mets helped themselves. I think the twins helped themselves, you know, uh, Lopez gets the twentieth his 20th save last night, what they add like two pitches to the bullpen and a starter melee to uh, the rotation. You know, they certainly helped themselves. Uh, I'm trying to think that the Yankees, you know, I think, you know, definitely helped themselves. So, yeah, there was there was a lot of uh, you know the halves, the halves, <laughs> the halves uh, uh, definitely uh, you know stepped into the sunshine yeah. at the trading deadline, and I'm still surprised. Uh, I thought Cleveland would do something, Joe. I really I thought they, you know, you how often are you one game out on August fourth, and uh, and do you, are are you guaranteed you're going to be in the same position next year?
1: Yeah, I could see. You go back to last year's trade deadline and all the all the moving parts that they had with with Tito you know stepping away and and making some some major deals at that point. Uh, and for them to do nothing this year to sort of add to the roster uh, it it sends kind of two messages. It says yeah, we believe you got we believe we believe in you guys. we believe in uh, what we're doing here and that you can you can win games the way you have been. But it also, to a guy like a Shane Bieber or a Jose Ramirez, who were looking around saying, hey, get me some help with these young guys, uh, it, it also sends them a message that, you know, hey, maybe this this might go down as being, uh, when it all is said and done, uh, a, a wasted year for you because you, you're not trying to make the playoffs or trying to push for it.
0: Yeah, you're, you know, close but no cigar. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I've been, I think, you know, when a team has played as hard as these guys have, for four months, you know, really kind of exceeded expectations. You're in a division which is very winnable, I think. You know, you've you've stayed this close to Minnesota this long. You've got Chicago barking on your heels. Um, You know, I think a move would have been uh,
1: justified here. Sounds like a column, Hoinsie. Maybe you should write that. Uh, (laughs) Just saying. Uh, All right. Uh, Houston in town, as we mentioned. Justin Verlander on the mound tonight uh what does Zach policeek have to do to get oh, a win man. uh he has just been nothing but mr Struggles uh for, for really for the last month uh Zach policek has not gotten any run support we've we've well documented that but uh he's gonna need some tonight against al uh you know the astros and and Justin verlander
0: yeah this poor guy no run support um <laughs> He keeps, you know, he keeps kind of grinding through five innings. You know, there's, if, you know, if it's not run support, it's defense, you know, uh, some poor defense behind him. And, um, you know, you can see the sh- frustration kind of ticking inside him. Hopefully he's able to rein it in. You know, in the early, you know, when Verlander first came up with uh, Detroit, Joe, uh, Cleveland owned him. I mean, yeah. and, and Verlander has pitched. I think he's made more starts against Cleveland than, just about any team in his career we we haven't seen him you know in the last two or three years with Houston as much but you know it 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 would it's going to be interesting to see how these guys do against him because he's kind of reinvented himself he's a kind of more much more of a power pitcher now and uh, we'll see if they can uh, they can handle his fastball.
1: I just remember even before he ever got to Houston Justin Verlander was paranoid that Cleveland was stealing his signs and yeah, yeah. That, you know, there are all sorts of, uh, issues with that. But, uh, you know, and then he goes to the sign stealing capital of the world and who knows. All right. Hoinsey, we'll, uh, we'll reconvene tomorrow to wrap up the week here on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. Uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get another prospect called up and, and somebody to make <laughs> another debut. Who knows? Uh, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.